Bruh. It's forced to fill up on the track. Yo, I didn't think about it this way before. But when I stopped casting Brainstorm, I realized all you players are junders. You're just a bunch of junders, bruh. Two for ones in top decks. Green Sun Zenith prospects. Well, if you don't cast Thoughtseize turn one, then I don't want to hear no chat about blunders. You players are junders. Lilies and bobs and oozes. Tomagoy bruises. Colagons command chooses. Discard Shatterer twofers. Disentomb endurance. Punishing fires looping. And you losing cause we him into to rock. So you're playing off the top. Cascading always goes for broke. Lightning gonna hit you with the smoke. These braids are flapping off your blood. Tap four, we cast a Dracula. Collect another trophy. Assassinate you when we play Enchantress. We back to nature. So pay eight life, you fucking coward. Flex your grip like it's full of power. Forget the student, get your racket. Master losers, just keep attacking. Who cares if Uro blanks your deck? We're in too deep to course correct. We're some availed, we'll cling the dust. Curse the cup all the way Lily does. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying to you just yet, but if you ain't cast and brainstorm, then you gotta keep the fucking pressure on them. Jund will fuck up DNT, wrath the board, pernicious deed. They'll rebuild what we're engineering, explosive, side of clearing. But please don't try to go recruit and last hope will smack it and abuse it. This is madness. Fatal push, commit war crimes, George W. Bush. Bruh, I get it, all the good cards are in blue. And Merc Tide is an absolute fucking beating. But if you don't cast Lord C's turn one, then I don't want to hear no qualms about dragons. Pyro blasting, fuck escaping Uro and his dumb play patterns. Surgical extraction, calls games like James Madden. Tough acting to acting, and now we're gaining some traction by dashing in Ragavan the Goat, casting cards off the deck. And if they be playing blue, then they'll show us some respect. We used to play the cards, they traded one for one, but then they changed the bar, and that was undone. And now the black cards were unplayable, but we jumped so hard we're unassailable, uh. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? You ready to sashay? You ready to dance? Yes, let's let us dance. Uh before we get into that, though, uh, I wanted to you so you were just mentioning something about mycosynth gardens that I, I I'm totally fascinated by. So uh, explain that to me. It, it can copy attractions? What, what's going on with that? I don't know. So I, I've been thinking about Mike, the Microsynth Gardens for a while. It's the new card from one. It's a land. It lets you copy a non-token artifact for X tap and X is equal to the mana cost of the artifact you're trying to copy. Everybody's been like, yeah, you copy a Friction Dreadnought for a mana and it's great. And I'm over here being like, well, you can copy attractions for zero mana. So that's really what I want to be doing. The attractions are not token artifacts. They are artifacts and they come in and their CMC is zero. So you can go deadbeat attendant and then Microsynth Garden copy whatever attraction you flip over. You can have some fun. You can have some fun with the Microsynth Gardens. Before we dive into our Mercurial Spell Dancer episode, where we're going to break down a couple of decks and yeah. possibilities and just talk about that card in the context of legacy decks and how you, you'll, you'll share what you think i think that it's one of those cards where it's good but it's a trap to think that it's a it's the new card trap to build around a card that is not a build around and mercurial spell dancer i would argue is not a build around but just a good card that could inform card choices within yeah. a deck rather than a build around anyway i we'll, think it's we'll much much better than that and i'll explain why but before we do that let's pick out a couple cards to uh send off 
to the masses here. For those of you who don't know, if you comment on the video, uh, I have a uh, drawing that I do. I pick out a comment randomly, and uh, that person will receive 2004's uh, card from the uh, anniversary calendar thing, the 30th anniversary countdown thing. So that's 2004. We're going to do like three of them. Let's do uh, 2010 as well. 2010 got chosen. 1994. Pick out one more for our Patreon supporters. Thank you all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, we've got a, ooh, 19, 1993. That's hot. 1993. VOG. VOG. I think that I think that might just be Shiv and Dragon. So 93 will go to our Patreon supporter. So a couple people haven't responded to the fact that they've won. So next week I'll be I'll be putting uh, all those back into the pile. There's a lot of them. There's like six or seven of them that, that have to go back in. Keep, you know, keep an eye out. You know, I respond to your comment and then tell you to hit us up in the Discord. Join us on Discord, of course. Uh, links below. You can find us on Moxfield.com uh, where we keep all these decks. All the links for those decks are below as well. Moxfield.com is a amazing place to build. Uh, sign up for an account. It's free. It works on your PC. It works on your Mac. It, every format is supported, even some uh, some exploratory formats. I grew up with these guys, by the way. This site was one of the first sites to get pre-modern on as a supportive format. Uh, so that's pretty awesome, too. Without further ado, Phil, the catalyst of this episode this week is to be talking about Mercurial Spell Dancer and why, for me in particular, it's why I think that this card is, is the real deal. Do you want to dive into your decks here? Yeah, so let's talk. I have two lists, uh, and then Phil's got one as well. Uh, the first list is the most basic version of why this card, why I like this card. Uh, I'm seeing it in Blue Red Delver. I don't want to talk about Blue Red Delver. Who wants to talk? No one. Nobody wants to talk about Blue Red Delver. Phil, do you not want to talk about Blue Red Delver? Not only do I not Delver? want to talk about Blue Red Delver, I don't. Just as a uh, a reminder that any of the deck lists that we talk about, you can find them on the Eternal Dirtles Mox Field. So if you want to exactly. follow along with it, or if afterwards when we're talking about it, if you want to just like see these as examples, none of that. Now, uh, also we'll caveat, these are not, like refined tuned builds these yeah. are ideas with theory behind them as to why it would maximize or help mercurial spell dancer actually be a player <laughs> in meaningful ways beyond just a failed dreadheart arcanist so exactly so, go, so why i so why i talk about blue red delver for just like a second uh that card so mercurial spell dancer is already starting to see play as the like ragavan spot aka replacement for the delver in the blue red delver deck so i like that and i think that there are a lot of reasons why why we should be playing this card more than maybe uh, Delver Secrets or whatnot. Specifically, first off, I have slotted it into my blue-black uh, Death Shadow deck, which is the most basic version of why I think this card is good. Death Shadow is not a Delver deck by, by trade, but you generally play like one or two or two or three Delvers. This is an early game threat to like kind of keep, you know, keep the balance of the game going. But I like Mercurial Spell Dancer in this list for a few reasons. One, because I never really liked playing the Delver in that deck, even though it has like, the deck has Delver qualities. I just rather play something that's like, kind of, that's going to give me a little bit more value value than Delver. And it feels like it's just not, Delver's not doing enough in that deck. And and then, you know, being able to use it with Death Shadow, wonderful. You're going to get to cast extra uh, Thought Seasons, which is bonkers like imagine casting thought seize on your opponent for one one mana for what well, i guess for life and you get to look at your opponent's hand and him him them with a direction to me that's that's really good like being able to just yep. look at your opponent's hand and be like oh you have the fatty and the reanimation spell i guess i'll just take them both notably for certain cards i mean i've seen people trying out snuff out with material spell dancer because it's yeah. a zero mana removal spell so it mm -hmm. gets in unblockable and then you just snuff out two creatures snuff outs for life is part of the cost where thought seize is two life is part of the resolution yeah so you would have to pay the two life a second time off of a material spell dancer copy of thought seize but you would not have to pay the four on snuff out because it's not actually cast 
casting the card. Exactly. Another another card that like I kind of wanted to highlight in this in the in this particular build that is is slightly weird, but like kind of can if you plan it out right, can be really good is predict. Phil and I were talking about predict last night in the chat and on our Discord about like whether or not that is a good card to like double. And I think in a situation where you have ponders and brainstorms and you're looking and you're like, okay, I'll put these two back. I'll name, you know, like I'll attack with my spell answer connected. Now I'll cast predict. I know the top card of my deck is this. I get to draw two cards. And then you just get to draw one extra card off the top of that. But you also get a guess. So like there's a chance you're going to get get the guess on that too. But if you throw a brainstorm in, in between that you're drawing four cards off of off of those that one predict that you cast as long as you cast the brainstorm to like you know check and figure out what you want on top of your deck so there's that yeah when we were talking about predict and i have it in the list that i submitted uh for this episode as well and i think that is that is an area that remains underexplored for the most part from mercurial spell dancer yeah. i saw people that there were just, you know every the whole talk has just been really about like oh you get to double up your ei yeah yeah it's obviously. like you know i i don't know how necessarily how powerful that is outside of just just like at that point, I, I'd be interested in like playing regrows for my EIs. Like I'm more interested in just playing more like Mystic Sanctuary to rebuy my EI sure, and yeah. cast it again. You know, I get that like you save the mana, but you only get one land drop. So it's like if you were to cast, if you were to play it on, if you have Mercurial Spell Dancer and you get in on your turn three and then you EI, you're not going to so, want and, and you and you remove the oil. You're not going to want to play your land first. You're going to want to play it off the EI. And then your second EI is going to have to both convert a, another, a, an additional one drop, in which case you're also tapping out again, which means that you're not going to, on those types of sequences. I have an answer for this, Phil. I have an answer for this. The answer is Bobbles. So bobbles are free. Totally, yeah, and you can play the bobbles. That's where, you're, the, that's, that's where I, you have to lean into into the bobble, which is why I normally I, I don't think that bobbles great in this particular deck, but because you're playing with stuff like that, I wanted to add the bobbles to show that, like, especially uh, in a situation where you have EI, that's how you're getting that extra advantage is being able to play your land, play your spell, and and get a bobble off off of it. So I think that that's this, this, that's the way to do it. And this is where I think that there might be an argument for it's not a full trap because all the cards are still good. Yeah. But I do think that the all of the lists that I've seen that have played Mercurial Spell Dancer and then tried to just put Bobble alongside it. If you're not specifically on DRC, I think Bobble's the, the power level of Bobble is too low to be playable. Bobble is good with like Emery because it's something that you can recur. It turns Emery into a library of Alexandria. Yeah. With with DRC and like on Holy Heat, it turns on Delirium and then you get significantly more powerful effects than in, you would with those cards if you didn't have Delirium. But for decks that aren't otherwise using the artifact or the cantrip in any other meaningful way like no other synergy other than it's just the free spell to put oil on your spell dancer i think you're diluting your deck and in a way that will often happen is you will end up flooding because you're playing cards in your deck that don't do anything yeah like yeah, and, yeah. And, and and by that i mean like ponder is a is, is it's air, air to it but, but yeah. however it's significant selection like one mana to look at potentially four cards versus zero mana to look at something blind the only way that you have selection is if you're if you're pairing it with a fetch land which means that you're not necessarily using your fetch land at an opportune time and there are positions where between all of your cantrips like having to force feed a fetch is not necessarily optimal and particularly in a list like death shadow where fetch lands convert damage at instant speed to potentially protect yes uh in a actions with death shadow it, it it can put you in awkward spots despite being a powerful card because it's a free cantrip so long term as you like start refining how you would want to build spell dancer i think you would find that Mishra's bobble at least when i was trying to put lists together i was like it's it, it turns out very anemic the the bobbles yeah. because they're not enabling 
or doing anything else. Well, specifically and for this list that doesn't need the that doesn't play uh EI at all. So you don't really need it, but I wanted to I wanted to highlight it there so that we could talk about the the EI situation and why Bobble is important in those decks. When you sent me the list and I was looking at it, it threw me back to like the olden days before Modern Horizons 2, where a powerful delirium spell people would play is traverse the Ulvenwald and just and they would play their street wraiths, their Mishra's bobbles, a fetch land, and and whatever else to get fast delirium. So you would essentially have like death shadows five through however many you wanted. You would load up the graveyard pretty efficiently for your Gurmag anglers. Yeah. And that 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 was a cool idea. It was just it was like you were saying, it's like if Delver sucks because it's just generically uh, it's a generic one drop that doesn't do anything else with the rest of the deck. The the people that moved over to stuff like Traverse the Overwall, I was like, oh, this is creative because then it also gives you silver bullets for things that would be tough matchups, right? You can play your collector roof, you can play whatever, that's pretty cool. And I was like, maybe that's also a space for with, with this list with Mercurial Spelldancer where you were on Mishra's Baubles because I was like, the stuff that you get in green when you double up can also be pretty powerful, like yeah. uh, stuff like Abrupt Decay to hit two things uncounterably or Assassin's Trophy and nuke two lands. And if they're not on a heavy basic build, then you just stone rain them twice. Maybe maybe there's space to go into a little bit more mid-rangey space there. But if you played Mercurial Spelldancer and then doubled up your Traverse the Uvenwald, I mean, now you're just cooking with gas. It just found yeah. you two more threats. Like One of the one of the things I wanted to I wanted to mention, uh, specifically, shout out to, to Joe Dyer because we had this conversation in Discord and it stopped me from like spending half an hour telling you about how good this deck would be in bug with adding green because the spell dancer has to connect first before it happens it's not on attack right it has to hit it's unblockable so it's gonna hit but because it has to hit cards like uh berserk are not that good because they're just not they're blanks right initially i was like oh yeah it's gonna be so good i'm gonna swing in with my death shadow is like a six six and like i'll double berserk him and then i realized that that's that's not a thing moving away from this list the my final thoughts on this list is like this is a place to start, and this is sort of the like, hey, we can we can replace Delvers here, and also Spell Dancer has the unblockable ability, which is good in this initiative meta as well. And I took that thought and I moved on to the uh, what I like to call Will's Carnival Control. So uh, if you guys all want to take a second, do the chime like you have on record, uh, and and move on to uh, turn the page and move on to Will's Carnival Control. This is where things get spicy. This is where I think that uh, th that Spell Dancer is kind of at its finest as far as a build-around card, specifically because we're playing a four... First off, we're playing a four-color control deck here that actually can lean on a fifth color if we want to. I actually have green man in here, so we could sideboard in some, some green effects if we wanted to. But, uh, so this is just like a four-color control deck. You've got Comet, you've got Baleful Strixes, but... We're playing car we're playing carnival cards, so uh, we can bring on uh, the the games. We can bring on the uh, attractions. So we've got DK and we've got Deadbeat Attendant to like get your attraction situation going. But because Comet Seller Pup is in there, it can get back the uh, Deadbeat Attendant if if you're blocking with it and continue to make more and more of those. Uh, the Spell Dancer is good here because you get to play Expressive Iteration. Obviously, that's great. I decided to play two Tribal Flames as like a whoops, take eight or 10 damage off of that. But the card that uh, Phil and I were really talking about that I kind of really got excited about here was Accumulated Knowledge. Uh, and I think I, I want to preface that with how, how I brought this brought this concept up to Phil. First off, you have to have one Accumulated Knowledge in, in, in your graveyard to begin with. So let's say you just like cast an Accumulated Knowledge at some point in the game, right? Now you're attacking with your, your Mercurial Spell Dancer and you're like, okay, I take off my two counters, and I'm going to cast uh, Accumulated Knowledge. That is a draw four. That is that is very good. Draw four is ridiculous. That's just off the second one. If you happen to have two in your yard and you're attacking Spell Dancer, that's draw six, draw eight. 
you know, like that uh, to me, like accumulated knowledge sits on the edge of what is like a playable magic card to begin with. We were playing it in in miracles back in the day, uh, as as just like this is fine, I'll play this. But I think here it actually excels, and it gets to a point where like if you can get that payoff of casting it uh, for a second time in a game at, off of a spell dancer, it's just all gravy. Like who needs selection when you draw four cards? The, there's some cool ideas in this list. I think the the tribal flames to just double up on your spell dancer because your spell dancer gets in for two, and yeah. if you can tribal flames them for max amount you just dome them for 10 yeah that's and... that's i mean you dome them i i actually have the fifth the fifth land type in here so you could end up just doing 12 damage in one turn this deck obviously looks like a great time like uh, there, there's no it, doubt it does look that. like a blast i don't know how I, good I, it will be exactly but like I, it looks like a lot of fun i i think this is the kind of thing where you where uh I, if i'm playing this i'm showing up in clown makeup to the event yeah no, like what else i need to, pe- to I, know, I need to let people know that this is this is how the day is going for them because i'm gonna have all the attract this this deck plays 10 attractions you know like you're just like Bleh. yeah i think that the the actual powerful interaction like if this deck was iterated on over a longer period of time i feel as though spell dancer plus tribal flames and similar effects like that yeah. where mercurial spell dancer is doing things similar to what you did when you played infect right yeah. where you're like i just want to attack and get you dead and every single attack threatens lethal and I think if you can do that with Mercurial Spell Dancer and the the big chunky burn spells, because yeah. you can also get in positions where Mercur- since Mercurial Spell Dancer doesn't have a mana gate on it and it doesn't care about the sizing of the spell, you could go in your you know blue red burn esque deck. You can what, what, remind me the the burn spell that's Sax Two Mountains deal for. Uh, that is Fire Blast. Fire Blast. So you can yeah, you can play blast. like the big chunky spells. Get in for two Fire Blast, sacking two mountains, dome them. Yeah, and that's for eight. ten. That's 10 that turn. And so yep. if you just load up on effects that do similar things like that. And then if they're spending their you're talking about You're talking about assessment. Flame Rift. Flame Rift is a classic. I was talking about Flame Rift. Just like the, the big stuff that, that it's like, because one of the advantages of what Spell Dancer is, is like it doesn't work with pump spells, but it does get in for damage, you yeah. know? And that's not nothing. And there's a lot of deal four effects that if you double up on them, make it make mercurial spell dancer effectively a, tur- a two-turn clock if it remains undisrupted because if you know it's going to get in for two every time and then you play one deal for it doubles up and so if you play and then the first one will put the an oil counter on it to keep it going so if you were to mercurial spell dancer you know and it's oiled up and you fire off a four a four damage spell that's eight plus two and then the follow-up is eight plus two and you might not even need all that much if players are taking damage themselves. To, to the uninitiated too, because upon initially looking at Spell Dancer, we were like, this might be good, but it's a little slow, I think. Uh, and I think I think the thing that, that people have have now realized uh, is how the math of Spell Dancer kind of lines up with itself really well and how needing to take off two is actually not that big of a deal uh, now. So I think I think it's really important to kind of like highlight how how like initially it looked like it was going to be like a three turn situation. Now it's like every turn, especially if you're drawing more spells, you're basically going to untap attack and like double like fork a spell every time yeah i i think that there is something to be said about the unblockability like not being able to be blocked and looking at that as like one of the biggest relevant lines of text on this card beyond like it being the thing that you have to do just having a a playable unblockable creature is a big game for other certain types of spells. So everybody was on Expressive Iteration and we were talking in our Discord, everybody joined our Discord, and there was the suggestion of, what's the spectacle card? Oh, uh, Light Up the Stage. Yeah, Light Up the Stage. So Mercurial Spell Dancer is going to get in. Light Up the Stage. And then you, you, cast it for, you cast it for one mana and flip over four cards. And yeah. if 
if you're just doing that in those four cards, if you flip over another light up the stage, I mean, they are in a pretty hard spot to have, like they, they have to kill the spell dancer at that point because they can't let you do it again. And even, even then, even if you don't, you can still cast it for its divination effect. So it's like you, you have those ways to like really churn it as an engine, but that it is on the assumption, like all of the stuff that we talked about so far, for the most part, it's not really hard protecting the spell dancer. And yeah. I think that that's, that's a critical part of, of the card in its analysis is I don't think spell dancer because it is so fragile as a 2-1 that doesn't do anything when it ETBs, I don't think it can be the build around. Because if it is, you have to play more protection for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's and that's kind of where this deck it doesn't it doesn't so much build around it. Everything in this deck is fine by itself. Like spell dancer is just like the the extra push. I feel like this deck a deck like this kind of needs to like be a little bit more be a little bit more uh, competitive and playable. You know, basically you're just doing like you know we often talk about the legacy power level thing, and I think in this deck the legacy power level thing to do is forking your spells yeah yeah it's just a matter of are the spells that you're looking to fork playable by themselves exactly because if, they're, exactly. if, if they if they aren't playable on their own then you're just going to be sitting with unplayables in your hand when your deck's not doing the thing which and is why i did in not the format, include temporal trespass which everybody seems to be like really high on right now the, the thing is is that like when you're taking your extra turn it's like if your mercurial it, it puts you in the same spot right because like let's say you take two extra turns you your deck still needs to do a powerful thing because yeah. even with the mercurial spell down on the table it's threatening to deal four more damage and then it's like if you only draw if you just reload right like if you just cast a couple more like fork your cantrips and then your opponent and then pass the turn in those types of decks if you have to load up your yard you're probably not playing significantly to the board and if you're not yeah. playing significantly to the board and you're not playing other spells that generate a a, a, a tremendous amount of advantage the time walks aren't really going to do much because every single turn is going to exactly it's, it's gonna, if you're it's just time walking question, to attack you for two more and drop a land like who cares it's not quite it right like yeah. you would need you would need a way like the, the powerful thing about time walks is if you can loop them indefinitely and there's yeah. only so many ways to do that and they're all clunky and unplayable so yeah you know when, when we were talking about this episode initially i was saying i was saying to phil we have three angles for for uh what spell dancer is uh so we've got the i've replaced delver with spell dancer right then i have the like here's a deck this is this is like let's show off how good one spell can be if we double it off of spell dancer so that's accumulated knowledge or tribal flames right and then we have phil's deck which uh i think is a little more traditional style style of control deck that he that basically like it's it's miracles without the miracles right yeah i can talk about it yeah i mean my tendency is uh, you know i'm a tundra bro right like i can never really get away from just wanting to play all the cantrips when i was thinking about mercurial spell dance and i was really getting into it and i was like okay yeah you know maybe you want to double up your hymn to turox it's kind of cool i was thinking like in in i was like what is the the closest analog that we already had to mercurial spell dancer and i was like in in my view it was probably seagate stormcaller and so yeah. i was looking at things that seagate stormcaller was really good at copying so it's like your cabal therapies because uh with mercurial spell dancer if you copy a cabal therapy copy goes on the stack so you can name something you'll see their hand and then by the time the original resolves you'll clip whatever you want and then if they have something even more significant you can always sack the spell Second, dancer yeah. to copy it a third time and effectively mind twist them for what would be your two cards right you just play the spell dancer exactly play the cabal yeah. therapy. but that would that was a trick that when seagate stormcaller was first spoiled i did that as well where seagate stormcaller comes down you copy your cabal therapy or if it's already in the yard 
you ETB and sack it and get two copies of Cabal Therapy. So it was a really good way of just like stripping their hand down to nothing and then setting up whatever else you wanted to do, which in that case with Seagate Stormcaller was uh, Dark Rituals or Culling the Weeks or whatever. That way you could pump out like Bolas of Citadel or Peer into the Abyss or, you know, you were doubling up on the rituals yeah. as a way where it was bridging the gap between your disruption pieces as additional disruption, but then also as additional rituals. So that's that if we talk about concepting and deck building that this it was the bridging of the gap, right? The thing that was tying yeah. my rituals to my disruption and payoffs was this piece in between. And it's a lot of times in control decks where if you see like a heavy snapcaster control list, a lot of times the control decks are trying to line up the, the their removal and their fair cards against all their fair decks and then their blue spells against the unfair decks where their removal is dead. So you'd have your cantrips that kind of fill out the gap for you, but then you need a high enough density of both and snapcaster can play both roles as like additional copies of Flusterstorm or additional copies of Swords of Plowshares. Granted, it's more expensive, but it can also get in for two. But th that was the, the reason why snapcaster had uh, a legacy and legacy was because it was able to bridge the gap at both sides yeah so it was the most it was a very flexible spell in that regard and i think that when thinking about deck building and cohesion you know decks are going to end after you've seen your top 12 cards unless you're unless you're doing broken things you're going to open your top seven games are going to go about five or six turns given given the speed at most unless you're playing a very long grindy control mirror where you're both drawing your decks so making sure that your decks are consistent enough to be able to do the thing that it wants to do every time within the top 12 cards means that you need a high enough percentage of redundancy and if you're playing a bunch of tools that don't don't have a good deck building structure to them then you are going to end up with hands that either don't do anything, stuff where the pieces don't come together, or you're going to be like, oh, I just needed to draw my one thing if I just drew the thing. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, I mean, that's a deck building. Like, that's not a you didn't draw issue. That's a deck building problem, right? Like you you missed the beat in deck building. If it, if it wasn't variance, right? If your deck building was actually correct, then it wasn't, and it wasn't a variance issue, then there was probably something you could have done before the game started. Yeah. So I'll talk about this. I'll talk about where I, I informed my choices for Spell Dancer. So I have this deck with Spell Dancer, and it's pretty much a blue-white deck that's circling similarly like we talked about around predict and then when we were talking about predict with spell dancer we were like yeah you can name one and then you get one card but then you only just draw a second card and you're two mana draw three after you've already invested your material spell dancer and spells it's like it didn't feel like a strong enough payoff to me but i was like but i maybe there are the tools that are there to make sure that you could know the top of either player's deck for the second copy as it comes off the stack so and that's where if, we go. Yeah. So that's so that's where we go. So I say if if the legacy power level thing in this deck in particular, in my mind, is predict. I'm making the I'm assuming the position. <laughs> Let's that assume that it's predict. <laughs> my 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 two mana instant speed draw two is the pa legacy power level thing to do. Whether we agree with that or not, like follow and subscribe for more, everyone. <laughs> the, the, the concept of the deck is I like that's the thing. It may not be true, right? Like it Correct, may not yeah. actually be a legacy sure. power level thing. <laughs> but for, for the sake of this this study here, I am assuming the position that predict is the legacy power level thing to do. Therefore, I want to make sure that most of my cards can try and maximize that. And so we have obviously our cantrip suite. We also have four portraits. And something that works with Portent off of the Spell Dancer is Portent on the second copy can target them. So you can actually set up both players' decks yeah, that's pretty off good, of a Material yeah, Spell yeah. Dancer. And so if you're in a position where you can fight over the cards and Spell Dancer is getting in, and you can stack their deck to make sure that your Mercurial Spell Dancer will continue to untap, then when you predict, if they don't have ways to manipulate the top of their library, then you can name on something with yours, you can name something on theirs, and then you're staying on high-volume cards, and you're able to keep this engine going while you then follow up with your Triumphus and Catherine's and Mentors to actually close the door faster. 
faster while you're doing that. The other card that I've been experimenting with, I, I have I have a love-hate relationship with prismatic ending. I hate that prismatic ending is at sorcery speed, and I yeah. hate that my opponents sometimes can just not agree that it's a good card. So when I play against initiative, it sucks. <laughs> when I play against any kind of control deck, it sucks. When I'm playing against A-cast decks, it's good against exactly and only Chalice of the Void. Chalice of the Void. And we side them That's out. It. And we, we we immediately take them out. As soon as we see Prismatic it's, Ending, we're like, we just don't need this card. Like, let's, let's it, make everything in the deck cost six. When my opponents play a three drop, get whatever value from that three drop is, and then I untap and have to spend my three mana just playing a Vindicate, and it sucks. Yeah, it's It no feels good. so bad, and I never win those games. You never win those games. Like, the mm -hmm. play pattern of they get the value off their thing, and then you spend your whole turn removing it, it is, it is not a playable card. That sequence is not playable. It is excellent when it's a one mana source of plowshares. Like when it's clipping, when sure. it's clipping the grindstone or something, it's excellent, right? Fantastic. That's exactly the kind of thing you want it. But that you say all that ceiling, to say this. That ceiling drops off significantly. Yeah. Anything exactly. over two mana that's that's critical, hinging on prismatic ending to to unload for you, terrible. You're never, for the record, never though, for the record, Phil, if you were to say double it with Mercurial Spelldancer, how would you feel about it? The thing is, is if you double it with Mercurial Spelldancer, <laughs> it's it's your whole turn. And Still, they have yeah. to have they have to have the board. They need to have two it. things for you to want to get rid of, of course. Yeah. And and that works like that feels a little bit less bad with snuff out because snuff out is free. So yeah. you can clip both their creatures and then do the other stuff that you wanted to do. Whereas prismatic ending will just be your whole turn. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to do that. I'm not I'm I'm not really interested in that. And also it doesn't really work with what the game plan is. It's just a generic removal spell. And source to plowshares is just better. It's the best removal spell there is. So I leaned on unexpectedly absent. Because if I actually well, want to spend to, my to turn... go right back to your point, what is the legacy power level thing to be doing? Right, it's it, it supports predict, and the the difference though is that in that in that sequence, like let's say spell gets, dancer gets in, and instead of playing a card advantage <clears throat> spell, you need to play a board control spell. Either source to plowshares doubling up, or if they have a split, like they have a creature and a non-creature permanent, or they're just on non-creature permanents altogether, yeah. unexpectedly absent, being able to tuck two things on top can actually steal their draws, right? It yeah. can steal draws. It, also, from it also like technically casts for one extra for the second one, right? Or the for the first one, I guess. Something on top yeah. and then put something on top of it. So on top of that. you've put one thing, two down instead of one down. Right. And I need I can tell you from playing a lot of these kinds of predict miracles control decks that it's not something that you would be able to pull off without a decent amount of practice. Because not only are you maintaining like position and position and timing of your hand and the board, but you're also maintaining where the sequences of cards on top of your deck and sequencing of cards on top of your opponent's deck. And so it's just a lot of tracking to keep in yeah. to, to keep in your head at all times. And it's like if you've had millions of reps with Sensei's Divining Top, it gets a little bit easier yeah. because those you know the the there's nothing there's no better magic in the world than Top Miracle Mirrors where both players were on for a predict. What a yeah. magical oh. time that was! I love it. <laughs> But that is but that like, is the uh, Big Lebowski. There are a lot of interested parties. Everybody's the know. thing about it though is that is that timing is extremely tricky for all this. Yeah. And the other, the, but like unexpectedly absent is both good when you're firing off on your opponent's stuff if after you've mercurial spell dancered, but it's also good in a position of protecting your own stuff from removal in in the case that ha that happens. So like I have tucked my sp my snapcaster mage on top of my deck to rebuy you know whatever else on the following turn when that's what matters all the time. That that, that that sequence comes up all the time. So you'll see like Ponder, Brainstorm, Portent, Unexpectedly Absent, all these cards, Mystic Sanctuary, all these cards enable Predict. And then Predict is also just going to be incidentally good against other opponents when with their Mystic Sanctuaries or if they show you something from Delver or whatever. The other card that is informed in this deck is I'm only playing 18 lands in this deck, which is really light. It's a lot yeah, lighter than I normally play. It's pretty low, yeah. And 
I did it because uh, I'm on. It's a, it's a three days deck. Uh, yeah. I hate days, I, but I, I noticed. I, I noticed here. that you were playing days with your Mystic Sanctuary. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, I do I do hate days a lot, but it's where I would start with a baseline here. But the additional part of informed decisions from Spell Dancer is. Spell Dancer wants you to hit land drops, but it does not want you to flood because no. theoretically you should be able to double up on your, your card advantage effects, like it doubling up on your cantrips or whatever should make it so that you should be able to run smooth. And a lot of times if you just are, if you're playing out all of your stuff and then just find that you get glutted with a bunch of lands and can't do anything, you're just going to flood out even when your deck did stuff. Yeah. And so as a way, as a way to, to lighten the load on that is I'm playing a singular tithe, which is another spell that is effectively a land. It, Let's it, let's it read is. Tithe real fast, Phil, because I think a lot of people don't know what Tithe does. Sure, go for it. Yeah. So it's search your library for a planes card. If you control fewer lands than target opponent, uh, you may search your library for an additional planes card. Reveal those cards to all players, then uh, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library afterwards. So you're, what you're saying is if I have less lands than you, I get two lands. If I have less lands than you in Mercurial Spell Dancer, I get four lands. So you can tutor out all four lands if you have less in that position. But it's really like, I'm not thinking of Tithe as a card that I want to double. I'm yeah, thinking of sure. it's, this is, this is where I was talking about in, in the, the, in the bobble slot, right? Like the thing that would normally go in the bobble slot in a deck that otherwise isn't taking advantage of bobble in any meaningful way correct where this is the card that i want to play to get my oro counters yeah i like that but but at the same time it's not that tithe is a good card i'm saying that tithe i would argue is a reasonable card that is playing a very specific role that is informed but what i expect the spell dancer to do so yeah. in testing yeah, yeah. In testing, it would be a card that I'm go. I, I would I would have my eye on as is it doing the thing that I wanted to do, which is to ensure that I hit my land drops so that I can continue. So that way I don't get stuck doing the stuff I want to do with Spell Dancer, while also ensuring that Spell Dancer is continuously live. By doing so, it means that I effectively get to trim a land, and then my my deck is a little bit denser on on action. So yeah. it, it, I'm not saying that like Tithe is like obviously a card that you would have to play. I'm saying that Tithe is really my 19th land, but. I, I am rewarded for playing more spells because of what Spell Dancer wants. And then similarly on that regard, I'm rewarded to play more spells because that's what Monastery Mentor wants. So exactly, ha yeah. having, having a higher density of spells without necessarily cutting too hard on lands is an informed deck choice by the spell dancer and i think that that's where anybody who's coming up with their spell dancer brews beyond just like i want to double up this powerful thing and maybe it's good enough look at look at the cards that are otherwise already reasonable and then see if the spell dancer can help capitalize on making them more playable than they would be without the spell dancer i think one of the reasons why i like these episodes is because in talking to you about about this stuff after we build the decks and whatnot I kind of come across like a, sort of an epiphany myself. So what you were saying before is about how you want to be able to protect the spell dancer with interaction and whatnot. And it's funny that like the spell dancer lives in a weird zone where like it wants you to have proactive spells to cast, like to double up on and cast. And it's fine. Like you can protect your spells. You can stifle if you want to. You can daze. But those aren't the spells you're trying to double. And so you have to ha live in this zone, especially if you're making it your game plan, right? Where you lit, where you where you have stuff like portent, ponder, tithe is technically proactive, but you still need your dazes and your force of wills in there, and they do help. They do like add the add the oil counter and whatnot. But uh, it, it does it makes you live in this weird zone to de uh, to deck build with, you know. I, I I think that Mercurial Spell Dancer kind of informs that shit like Flusterstorm or Minor Misstep or any of your counter spells or protection that costs mana is already a non-starter. 
Yeah. Because it's 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 asking you to play spells and then it wants you to cast it only lets you do it on your turn after you in your second main phase. And if you're spending your mana holding if you're porting yourself by not casting spells out of fear that your opponent can interact with you by getting rid of your spell dancer, you're going to be hindering yourself a lot more than you're going to be hindering your opponent. Yeah. Because if you're not spending that mana, then you're not using your you're not going to be using your tools effectively in a way that spell dancer is going to be able to capitalize on. If you're seeing lists with where Mercura spell dancer is has like the very reactive spells that cost mana that you can't actually use in a second main phase situation to double you're going to come up in situations where you're going to have a spell it's, dancer it's the same as drawing the land in, in that you, situation you, yeah you, you will have oiled it up and gotten in and then not have anything to do and that's going to feel bad that you're just slippery dick of, with nothing to do you know no when, when, when you're slippery dick <laughs> with nothing to do that's that's going to be where you're going to come to the conclusions where you're like oh yeah this is a dread art arcanist this actually sucks yeah. and it's like well no i mean dread art arcanist was annoying because it didn't really ask much of you other than to have a graveyard with stuff in it. And even then, if you didn't have the stuff in it, Dreadheart Arcanist sucked. But yeah. Dreadheart Arcanist didn't ask really much of you in deck building. It just asked that you had access to a graveyard. Mercurial Spelldancer is a little bit more of a challenge. It's a more interesting card because you actually do need to think about what are the positions where I want to, my cards are going to be good even if I'm not casting them in the second main phase. And things like Unexpectedly Absent are that example. Yeah. And it's possible that I, I didn't even go far. It's possible that I'm even too conservative in this deck because I can't let go of my miracles and I had to play Triumphs. <laughs> and they're like, that's just actually not, yeah. not the best way to go. Maybe maybe there is a world where it's like the middle ground between us both where it's like, yeah, we can play the baubles and we want baubles and pedals and we want to be lower to the ground and faster like that. And then Mentor rewards you for that shit. And then Mercurial Spelldancer rewards you for that shit. And then we're just like turboing that just, shit instead. Just don't like, chuck it in to eight cast it's not going to work you're just going to not going to work yeah. you're just going to cast thought cast two times material spell dancer <laughs> cares about instant and sorceries. you need to have yeah. instants and sorceries in your deck you know if you imagine the sequence of you know you you go turn two spell dancer your opponent tries to kill it you catch it with a counter spell it now has an oil counter. You untap, you cantrip, he puts the second oil counter, you find your portent, you attack them, check it, you you portent yourself, you portent them, you've drawn the two cards off of that portent because you draw, both will resolve in the next upkeep. And then you are now set up to like, you've stacked their deck, you're now loaded up. It, it's it's more meaningful. Like they the, the cards are actually yes. powered up by Spelldancer existing in your deck rather than like, oh, it's just additional copies of yeah. my expressive iteration. And it's like, you're already winning if you're playing expressive Yeah, iteration. exactly, like, yeah. So my so I guess I guess this is a good place to kind of kind of cut off, but I did want to I, I did want to tackle back one second because I didn't tackle talk back. about the other like legacy like weird like kind of power level type of thing that that the carnival deck was doing. I didn't actually talk about Will. The deck is named after Will. So being able to roll the like choose the higher of the two dice means that you're going to roll sixes more often, and that means that you can almost kind of like weirdly not go infinite but like you're going to get a lot of activations off of off of your uh all of the attractions uh i Bro. believe uh, are are on six right like I, every I, one of them. I am I am in I am invested in your pursuit to make the to next make will work. playable to make the next <laughs> legacy playable combo deck is just four will four comet and then you roll and then I'm you just, just go infinite with comet and kill them there's also a card pixie infiltrator or something like that I'll, I'll put it up here uh pixie something that does that but you don't have to choose the highest number which is interesting um so having like a bunch of those out uh i think also barbarian class Bam does, bamboozling beeble does that bro so the, the die rolling thing is just like a fun like thing to me and like just having like that it's look you're never going to be at the top tables with 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 that situation i don't think but man, you're gonna have so much fun. I, I, like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make. I have, I'm gonna make. I have clown dice, guys. I have clown dice. Like I'm gonna I'm make my ready. one one suggestion for for your tribal flames <laughs> deck. 
Sure. Please swap the wastelands for literally anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm but, looking but, at that. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Wasteland, wasteland's good, but wasteland in your tribal flames deck is a little iffy. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it for us this week. Uh, like I said, I'm gonna get those get those in the mail. Please like, comment, subscribe if you can. It means almost nothing to you, but it means so much to us. We're on that. We're on that like goal to get to a thousand uh people, a thousand subscribers on YouTube, and then YouTube like rewards us or something we had like uh, the last like couple of episodes have been amazing thank you everyone for commenting folks in our discord thank you so much for coming coming uh and, and chatting with us about about the game uh in, in discord i'll give a little preview i'll give a little preview of uh an, another episode that we're gonna do in deck building theory with a really cool example so I, I, i'll tease it now and then we'll dive into it on uh either the next episode or the episode after and i got permission to one of the guys at game story the local shop that i play at every week his name is andrew ahern and he is a brewer he's a brewer through and through he and I talk about deck lists and ideas for different things all of the time. The thing is, is that we both are, we, we, we like to look at things a little bit from a different perspective because I'm a Tundra mage who likes to do nothing until I, until you concede. Yes. Right. And he is a guy who is, he runs the gambit. I've seen him play everything. You know, I've seen him play merit lages. I've seen him try Delvers. I've seen, you know, he, he's always experimenting with stuff and he's very creative. And he showed me a deck list that had the most creative use for Mycosynth Gardens that I've seen since oh, the card yeah. was spoiled. Yeah. So I'm going to tease what the idea is and then we'll delve into it for a full episode. because We're going to make some Mycosynth Garden decks next it, week? It is a prime example of like the ideal situation for deck building theory. And yeah. we debated it after the shop, like on ideas of which way we could go with it. And it was, it was really, really compelling. So the idea of this deck is you play the Mycosynth Gardens with Dark Depths. Well, how are you supposed to copy Dark Depths with your Mycosynth Gardens? Well, you copy it with Liquid Metal Coating. Liquid Metal Coating? <laughs> so you turn your Dark Depths into an artifact and then you copy it for zero mana go. and it effectively becomes another Thespian stage. But you're okay. like, well, Liquid Metal Coating sucks. Why would I play that in my deck? What am I going to do with that? Well, he was also on four Karn. Karn, yeah, there you and go. And Karn makes it so that your your if your plan of trying to just churn out a fast 2020 doesn't work, you can start nuking their lands in a yeah. way that like Karn has always done. And then you're playing your ancient tombs and fast mana and doing all this anyway. And I was like, I was looking at it. So he showed me the deck list and I was, I, I, he was like, what do you think about this? And I said, I, I mean, I, anytime I see a deck list that has all of these liquid metal coatings, I'm like, it just doesn't do anything without the Karn. And I'm like, I, I like, what else is going on? And he's like, look at the garden plus dark deaths, my guy. And it it, it was one of those, like, uh, you know, the, the the gif of the guy with yeah. all the stars around his head. <laughs> and I was just like, because the second that he said that, I recognized the ABC deck building theory that was applied yeah. here, whether or not he realized how effective that was or not. Well, I want the, if I, if I want gardens plus dark deaths is the powerful level thing to do. Therefore, I need the dark deaths to be an artifact, which is liquid metal coating. Therefore, I want. Karn as a way to bounce. So it's literally you have your yeah. ABC deck building. Well, Phil, let's not spoil the whole episode here. We're not going to spoil. We're not going to spoil. Okay, <laughs> sorry, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into it next time, and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk. About, we'll actually have a deck list for it, and you know, I'll talk to him about it further. But it, it was the the coolest idea that I've seen for Microsynth Gardens awesome. so far. And the the thing about it is, it also means that like when we have our Microsynth Gardens episode, there's the the the, the well of how deep Microsynth yeah. Gardens can actually go. Because I thought it was like, yep, yeah, you have Amulet and Modern, and yep, you have your Phyrexian Dreadnought sometimes in legacy and then he was like dude liquid metal coating yep. i was like i i never would have got there i never well, got there that's it for us this week hey don't forget to hit up our store for the what it do merch side of the inboss merch and obviously just the eternal dirtles merch please remember like subscribe all that stuff really appreciate it thank you so much patreon supporters uh if you want to get on that uh you can support us at patreon at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles and that's it for this week 
Everybody have a great week. We will see you on the next one. Turn one, exploration, turn these fields, crop rotation, sifting meadows, elves are playing and bajooka, bog drain jogs away, then we cast our way into the north. Dark depths abound, the legend scores of merit lage. In its slumber, Valakut awakens, crash of thunder, the mountains crumble into rubble, flagstones split the ground asunder, planes arise, tectonic tumbler, evolving wilds fill the bunkers, we venture to the tabernacle where reliquary, nice to battle with riders from the avalanches who destroy plants, farm trees, and ranches. The journey seeking the Mox Diamond, a piece of where no one could find a kaleidoscope of ancient magic to fuel their whole world demographic the secret to its potent mana derives from the lands that have been abandoned where obosh is near a companion a demon horror nightmare alien abruptly the blood moon arises simian spirits pray it guides them to the legendary eye of ugin that harbors alien intruders who hopes to blind eternities warp worlds irreversibly except caracas the lone safe haven where legends unite to fight to save them they travel to the land of thraven to break the vault where hell has stayed in releasing demons plagues and angels want to Fend off a disdainful, but a demon's contract unfulfilled with a chain veiled mage who's been instilled with everlasting youth and power. Quakes the dead in a field of flowers with grass blows off, bright green aura that shimmers off the lotus cobras who slither in a forbidden orchard where the demon wrestles in holy torture. The grotto gathers oath the druids, nine hermits who are nature fluent to call forth a scape shift of magma and banish the demon in a glacial chasm. But the heat that they just sealed the ground melts the age old ice that entraps the bound. An avatar so diabolic, its reign of terror is catastrophic. Vespians have told the tale of an avatar glow with molded scales who blocks the sun and all its life engulfing worlds in eternal night where prairies are turned into vasubas the demon shape shifts into garuda a cracking horror so infernal some flowers bend to become nocturnal changelings rampage on the islands waves cascade down on the highlands the dryad arbors drown in silence but the willows still burn in defiance the flames contain the evil minion whose tentacles flash down from the deepness and bash away the punishing fire cast by the trackers who will not tire they fight to their death just like the obzon the rhinos tease the mile of python and wake this way up on the shore where it scored then baked by a flash of war which burst up from the sand below from the lonely sandbar which split and throws a royal that spins a tornado that flings large sharks across its airflow Rudas pulled into a whirlpool by for so strong dead eyes could twirl through the demons sealed down in the ocean as the forest morphs in slow motion Yavin Maya's cradle gathers the vegetation left in tatters revitalizes all its essence with misty colors effervescent rain falls on the vast horizon with Vasa waves her magic by then imprisoning the demon giant within the ties forever silent uh What's up there, what it do?